Well, today we have this extreme privilege of opening God's Word together, of going back to the story. I, I just pray that, that um, God enables you to see the connections. As we said earlier, his story is one story from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, and each piece of it is a critical part of, of our understanding, not only of, of God, but of people and how God relates to people. So we find ourselves today coming to the second chapter of Daniel. And, and you are welcome, if you'd like, to just press pause for a moment and, and read that together as a family. Uh, read that aloud if you are um, watching this by yourself. And then, and then rejoin us as we open this word together. You remember that last week we saw that, um, that as a part of God's judgment against the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, God ordained that a wicked leader would, would overcome them and would destroy all the things that they were putting their trust in and then carry them off, 10,000 of them, 800 miles away to a foreign place, to a strange land with strange language, strange customs, that, that, that this culture would even rename them and, and, and refocus them from the living God to the false gods of the culture around them. And we saw in the midst of that, that, that Daniel and his three friends were faithful in the midst of that. In humility, they, they honored the culture, but made suggestions about how not only they might flourish, but through them the culture might flourish. And God honored them in a brief 10-day experiment. Uh, God proved that, that um, his word was true, that the that the prohibitions and the encouragements of his word would bring life and not death and would even bless the Babylonians in a, in a culture that did not know or honor God. I, uh, uh, we're still in the beginning of a new year, and, and um, I always um, love the new year. I love every Sunday. It's a new beginning, a new start. And I made... Um, some challenges to myself in this new year that uh, I, even as I'm speaking to you, I am physically paying the price for. I can feel the pain even as I'm speaking to you today. But um, there's been something good about it. My challenge was just a seven-day challenge, um, but uh, it pressed me beyond uh, physically anything I've done in years. And, um, and though uh, it's been very hard, to uh, faithfully keep that seven-day commitment. Um, as I preach to you, I'm on the seventh day, and, uh, and it has been good. Daniel um, voluntarily committed himself to a fast, as it were, from the things of the culture around him. He fasted from the food of the Babylonians, but, but God might call you to fast from from social media or from food or from some other aspect that has, beyond blessing you and enabling you, has enslaved you. And, and as Daniel and his three friends 
Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah um, risked honoring God in the midst of the culture. God blessed them richly and elevated them to positions of influence in that um, uh, non-believing culture. Wow, what powerful lessons for us. You don't have to to um, to war against the culture around you. You just have to f- be faithful in the midst of it, right? That was the powerful lesson uh, from uh, last last week. Well, in Daniel chapter 2 then, God takes that new position of influence. Daniel had been elevated to essentially, essentially the position of magi, the people that counseled kings. Um, many people would take it even further and say not only counseled them, but made kings who manipulated the circumstances so that people would rise or fall. And, and Daniel was elevated to this position. And and uh, and God met him in that position. A strange thing happened that's going to press our our modern sensibilities. The king had uh, uh, an amazing dream, a powerful dream. No, no, understand that that not everyone uh, um, agrees on whether the king even remembered his dream. In fact, if you look at the King James Bible, you'll see that King James Bible kind of leans toward this. The king didn't even remember his dream, right? And I can understand that because I've been in that situation. I wake up in the morning and and I'm a little bit uh, out of sorts. I'm a little bit traumatized. And I think, what was, oh yeah, I had that weird dream last night. I can't remember it, but uh, I know that it, it it rattled my cage. And and whether Nebuchadnezzar could remember and was just testing his his uh, brain trust, or whether, or whether he could not remember and was longing to understand what that dream was again, he called together uh, all of his advisors. I called them a brain, brain trust, and um, but but the scripture in verse two of chapter two tells you a little bit, gives you insight into where Nebuchadnezzar was drawing his wisdom. Then the king commanded the magicians. The enchanters, the sorcerers, and uh, the ESV says, and the and the Chaldeans, which other uh, places is translated the astrologers, not astronomers, but astrologers, those who would seek meaning from the stars, and and summon them to tell the king his dreams. Let me press pause for just a second and say, um, there's a word for us here, right? Because you say, well, fortunately, our culture has none of those things. Our culture has every single one of those things. Our culture has people who create illusions to try and influence other people. Magicians, right? There's no power. There's no black magic. But they create illusions to mislead people. And that's rampant in our culture. Our culture has people who say over and over again, call out dark spirits, call on the demons to reveal truth, when all the while God's word has everything we need for life and godliness, right? Our culture has has sorcerers. Our culture has people who are sold out to the powers of the evil one, which are minimal, but are sold out to that. And our culture has astrologers. You know those funny little things in the paper? I'm, uh, I'm amazed at how many people 
look to astrology. Now, I'm going to use the word horoscopes, right, to tell them their future. Those horoscopes are made up by people sitting in a cubicle somewhere. The stars have no have no ability to declare your future. There is one who holds your future, right? And and we find Nebuchadnezzar drawing on all those sources. But in the midst of those sources is one man. In the midst of those sources is a man who says, God is my judge, right? Daniel, who says, I'm going to put my faith in God instead. But when he calls his brain trust together, they say, Nebuchadnezzar, what you're asking is impossible. No one can tell you what you dreamed last night, right? And and they are absolutely right. No man can tell someone else what they dreamed last night, no matter what their title is, sorcerer, astrologer. No one can do that. Nebuchadnezzar became very angry uh, and, and threatened to put them all to death, not just the magicians and the sorcerers and the astrologers, but people like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael, all of his advisors, he he threatened to put to death. Well, it's so cool. As you read that chapter, you saw what Daniel did is critical, right? What he did is critical. Daniel called together Hananiah, Mishael, and and uh, Azariah. He called together his small group. He reached out and called them together to pray, to pray to the living God. See, the circumstances and the culture around him looked like certain death. But God is not bound by the culture around us. Hear this, beloved. Don't fear the circumstances which you find yourself in today. God is not bound by those circumstances. A whole nation, remember when we studied Jonah? A whole nation was about to be destroyed by God and 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 when they repented on the word of one man, then, then God delivered them for a season from his judgment. So Daniel calls together his accountability group. He calls together his small group. He gets together with the church the body of God, and and together they prayed. They prayed for a night. Now again, remember, hanging over their head is the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. They are about to die. And, and they prayed that God would give them the dream and the interpretation of it. And God did. And God did. And and what did Daniel do when God gave him the interpretation? Kristen's sitting here in the sanctuary with me, and and as we talked over this passage earlier, just marveled at this truth. He didn't just immediately do what I would have done. He didn't go running to Nebuchadnezzar and say, God, don't kill anybody, right? No, God gave him the dream and the interpretation, and and, uh, Daniel stopped. Stop to return praise to God who had answered his prayer. That was our scripture earlier. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and power, right? God is large and in charge and he's worthy 
of our worship. And then, after he had prayed, after he had praised God, he went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of God. He sought counsel with Nebuchadnezzar, and he told Nebuchadnezzar not only the dream, but he told Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream. What was the dream? It was of amazing statue with a head of gold, right? A chest of silver, a, a body, a torso of, of bronze, of legs and uh, of, of iron and toes of iron mixed with clay, right? God gave a Daniel uh, the interpretation of the king's dream, which was all about, are you ready for this? The next 400 years of, of time. Now, I know that in modern scholarship, people say, well, that can never be. They believe off the top that that um, prophecy is not possible. Therefore, they believe that Daniel wasn't written until after all these events took place. But I would just remind you again from last week, Jesus believed that Daniel was the true word of God. And, and so I believe with Jesus that God gave Daniel the next 400 years of, of human history. People say, why are you studying Daniel right now? Because um, um, we're in a tumultuous time when we need to know that God is sovereign, when we need to glimpse what the future holds. We're studying Daniel because Daniel is the key to understanding Revelation. And before we get to the, to the things that are going to dramatically affect us in Daniel, um, God is laying a powerful witness down of Daniel's ability to interpret the king's dreams. So, so Daniel gives him the interpretation. The king is overjoyed. He is, he's the head of gold. I, who wouldn't be overjoyed to find out you're the head of gold? But look at this. Hidden in this message is this reality that his kingdom is going to come to an end. Hidden in this message is the reality that there will be another kingdom that will come after his and two more after that. Um, uh, hidden in this message is this amazing hope that there will ultimately one day be a kingdom that will never end. Remember the rock that rolled down and destroyed the statue? Um, that rock is Christ. That rock is the kingdom of God which destroys all other earthly kingdoms. So how do we live right now in a time when the kingdoms of this world are in such turmoil? We, we trust that God's kingdom, which lives in you, which lives in me. God's kingdom is greater than these things, and God's kingdom is already here, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is here, and and it will overcome and destroy every earthly kingdom. Do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to... to um, Uh, Put a large cross on your chest and war with the kingdoms of this earth. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. But I say this as a word of hope to you. That God is greater than the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So what do we we take from um, this amazing vision that Daniel uh, both received and then interpreted? 
Again, whenever you're doing studying the Word of God, as many of you will do in, in the coming hour, uh, one great way is to ask yourself, what do you learn about God in this passage? And in Daniel chapter 2, we learn that God is present with his children. God is present with his children. Daniel and, and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah could not see him. But as they cried out to him, we're going to see this powerfully in the later chapters of Daniel, God immediately began to respond, right? And God gave them what they were asking for. God is present in every challenge that you face. But but hear this also. God uses your calm faithfulness. I want to really emphasize those words. Your calm faithfulness. To glorify his name. You do not have to fear. You do not have to turn on one another. As you faithfully trust that God is accomplishing his purposes. God is glorified. God before us. Paul would say in Romans 8, right? Who can be against us? There, There is nothing at risk, beloved. Either physically, emotionally, spiritually, politically, there is nothing at risk because God is still sovereign over all those things. We saw in our study of Revelation, the first three chapters of Revelation earlier this year or last year, we saw that one of the key, the key characteristics that Jesus was looking for in all seven of the churches was patient endurance. Patient endurance, even if you don't understand what's going on, hold on. Hold on to your faith in God. Hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ. So to that patient endurance, which we were called to in Revelation, now God adds this calm faithfulness. Keep on going. Keep on pressing on. God is present We learn, but God is also more powerful than any earthly ruler, any political system, any human institution, right? God is greater than that. So you don't have to fear. What we learn about God is that he is present and powerful. What we learn, what do we learn about Daniel? What do we learn about Daniel? And and really the question is larger, what do we learn about the people of God, right? Three, three amazing aspects of Daniel's, who's, remember, at this time, he's, he's 14 or 15 years old. His spiritual maturity stand out in this chapter. First of all, his wisdom in response to the crisis, right? Nebuchadnezzar threatened his very life. Nebuchadnezzar had power, but Daniel had the wisdom of God, right? Nebuchadnezzar had power. He had control over who lived and who died. But Daniel had access to the living God and to the wisdom that you and I have access as well. Did you note in even our brief studies now or the first two chapters of Daniel, did you notice how Daniel chooses his battles, right? And honestly, he chose different battles than I would have chosen. I think I would have, I would have given in on the food thing, honestly. 
And I probably would have made a stand for not hiking 800 miles to another country. I would have fought my battle there. But Daniel was tapping into something greater than his own perceptions. He he was tapping into the very wisdom of God. He knew what was a threat to his core identity, and it was not whichever king was in charge. It was not political persuasions. Now, Daniel chooses them in a way different than you or I might, but Daniel chose a powerful place to stand, and God met him there. Well, you and I, you and I have that very same wisdom of God at our fingertips. Now, wait, you're saying, I'm no Daniel, and I'm no Daniel. Um, But we have something that Daniel didn't have. He certainly had, he had the, the, the scrolls. He had the prophets of the, the Torah, uh, the first five books. He had the prophecies of Jeremiah in his hand. But we have not only the, the prophecies of God and the wisdom of God, but we have the New Testament as well. We have, as, as uh, James would call us, we have wisdom right here. We can cry out to God for wisdom and we can open the pages of his word and the wisdom of God is given to us. Daniel had his wisdom as a response to the crisis, but notice that he also had the had prayer. And uh, I, I've really been enjoying, in my walks in the cemetery, I've really been enjoying uh, Timothy Keller's uh, book on prayer. It's a little more technical than um, than I'm used to, but but it's been such a refreshing reminder of how challenging it is to get off the throne and to cry out to the one who is on the throne. I just invite you. I'm so glad those of you studying on Wednesday night are looking at some of the spiritual disciplines. I invite you to this one, of talking to God and listening, being in conversation with God about the concerns of your heart. Speak to him, yes, but listen also for his voice and open his word. Even as I've been thinking about Daniel, as every time I opened his word in my quiet time, I saw things jump off the pages of God that spoke directly to the questions of my heart. Cry out to God in prayer. But then remember, as Daniel did, to praise God for God's work in your life. God has delivered us, right? Not not necessarily from a dramatic death like Daniel faced, but he has delivered us in myriad ways. He, he gave me a very special answer of prayer even this last week. And, and as I shared with my small group, um, I don't know for sure that that will be the ultimate answer, but in, in this in-between place, he reminded me that he still hears my cry and honored the, the desire of my heart I praise you, God. I praise you that you hear the cries of your servants. And so it, it emboldens me, God, to come before you and to ask even more of you, not just for my physical, emotional, and even spiritual needs, but God, for your sovereign kingdom to, to be made known in our world, for your glory to be made center. I thank you, God, that you give us wisdom. You give us 
prayer. You give us the ability to praise you. May we be like Daniel. God, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we've gotten a lot of practical application out of this brief story of Daniel, but but let me just spell it out. What can we do as a result? Just, just at the beginning of this new year, just recommit yourself to the core values. Recommit yourself to praying, to talking with God. I'm, I'm privileged to be around brand new believers and people that don't yet know God. And, and what a joy it is to see this natural human inclination. If we are genuinely made in the image of God, then we're going to want to cry out to God. And even people who don't yet profess a faith in, or even a belief in God have this innate ability to cry out to him and pray. And it's such a delight. Like, like watching my grandson learn how to speak, right? His cousin is, um, this is going to, oh, this is going to get me in deep trouble. His cousin is a girl and she is talking up a storm. Now, now I'm hung out to dry, right? I'm hung out to dry. But, um, but, but Judah is, is, is coming much more slowly like his, like his dad. He is, he is, um, learning how to talk. And you know how he learns how to talk? By hearing first someone talk to him. I can't pray. You say, I, I don't know how to cry out to God. Listen to God speak to you. I've called you by name. I have redeemed you. You are mine. Let your prayer just simply be a response to God's conversation with you. Pray. But I want to invite you also to prepare to prepare. I know that this circumstance we find ourselves right here is one of the most significant of my six decades on this earth. It's been one of the most challenging in my four decades of ministry. It is, it's been difficult. But, but maybe, just maybe, what God is doing is, is giving us a little practice round because difficult times are coming. Difficult times are coming, beloved, especially those of us in the West particularly those of us in the United States, have been very blessed. Amen? We have been so blessed. But kingdoms rise and fall. Nations rise and fall. We may have, for a, for a season, experienced what Nebuchadnezzar experienced in it. And our season has been golden, right? But But earthly kingdoms will fall. So prepare for difficult times. I want to say something very sharp and very pointed. And, and, and then I'll get off of it. But, but Galatians says God is not mocked, right? A man reaps what he sows. A church reaps what it sows. A nation reaps what it sows, right? The judgment of God is coming on our culture. And we followers of Jesus are a part of that culture. Like like Daniel, a godly man in a broken culture, we will face the ramifications of that. Uh, until that time when Jesus comes again, we will face the consequences uh, that our culture faces. As Isaiah cried out, we are people of unclean lips and we live among a people of unclean lips. But our eyes have seen the king. Our eyes have seen the king. So let's see, let's see this season as preparation, right? 
That God's preparing us for a time when, like much of the world, we may be persecuted for what we believe. We may be, we may suffer physically, emotionally, as a result of what we believe. Let's prepare for those times. But let's also prepare for the end times. Now, we'll come to see in our study of Daniel and also our study of Revelation next year that we are in the end times now and have been since that rock first rolled into the earthly kingdoms 2,000 years ago. But there's also an aspect uh, of the end of the end times, right? There's an aspect that we'll learn about here in our study of Daniel where God brings to fulfillment all that, uh, that human history has been leading up to. We have to prepare for that time. How do we do that? How do we prepare for that? I'm not calling you to be a prepper, uh, although I find myself a little vulnerable to that. I, uh, I'm exploring dehydrated foods, not just for backpacking, but, but I'm just, I'm, I'm exploring ways of preparing wisely for, for, um, natural and, and spiritual, uh, difficulties. Um, but beyond prepping, we have to learn to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The thing that is going to deliver us is not our our physical preparations. The thing that's going to deliver us from the coming challenges is the word of God. Let's learn to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's learn to walk and step with the spirit of God. Why did I put the word of God first? Because the spirit's job is to remind us what the word says. I know that people look for new revelations from the spirit, but the scriptures are very clear. The scripture, the spirit's job is to remind us of what is already there. To refresh that in our memories. Walk and step with the spirit of God. If that spirit is saying to you, don't post that. If that spirit is saying to you, don't say that. Don't do that. Um, walk in step. Walk in step with that spirit of God. Let's also prepare for the end times by sowing gospel seeds in the next generation, right? I quoted Galatians, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. A man reaps what he sows, but there's a positive act to that, right? You can be sowing seeds of right relationships that won't cast down sins on the third and fourth generation, right? In Exodus 20, uh, the Ten Commandments, but that will last should the Lord tarry for a thousand generations. We'll make up your mind, Dave. Is the Lord coming soon or is he not coming? We have to live in that tension, We have to be ready for him to come tomorrow. We have to be ready that he might not come for 20 years and invest in our families, invest in the people that God would call us to love. So gospel seeds, so hope for the next generation. And remember, remember that this world is not your home. Remember from last week, you are in exile, beloved. If you do not understand that, then you are living for this world. Just as God called Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael, Azariah to a desert place, so he called his own son, right, to a desert place. To be tempted by the evil one. To be victorious over his circumstances. So God calls us 
to himself. He calls us to that wilderness where only he can be Lord. He invites us to pray and to pray, to praise him. I want to invite you to, to drink deep of God's word in this coming new year. As always, if there's any way that we as a congregation can support you in your your faithfulness, your spiritual journey, we would delight to do that. It'll be a challenging road, but it'll be a beautiful one. And when it's over, we will stand together. i got to believe we'll have to be arm in arm for the first time in nine months. And we will sing his praises together. Let's not wait until then. Let's begin now. Amen. God, thank you for your word. Pray that it would take root in our heart, that we, like Daniel, might might, uh, have patient endurance through the trials, that that we might, like Daniel, um, live faithfully, live faithfully even in these times. And that God would just look forward with joy to seeing you be lifted up, to seeing you be glorified. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.